important new details about both impeachments of Donald Trump. Would you take 50000 a year for life or the lump sum? A crypto glitch made me a billionaire. And do you really know what your kids are doing on the internet? All that and more on today's edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Welcome to episode number 166 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. We have a lot to cover on today's show. Some things I'm betting you probably haven't heard anywhere else. And they are things that put the history of the United States over the past couple of years into a little bit more perspective and show you again that the mainstream media brings you stories in such a way that they are not really useful anymore. But I wanted to start out with a story I saw about Billie Eilish, who, I mean, yeah, who cares? Billie Eilish. She is a 19-year-old singer that has become really famous over the past few years. I'm sure making a ton of money. But this is more of a story about what I've been saying on this show for a long time about kids, the Internet and devices, because Billie Eilish was on the Howard Stern show with her brother, talked about a variety of things, I'm sure. But one of the things that was discussed was pornography, Billie Eilish saying, quote, as a woman, I think porn is a disgrace. So I didn't know we're supposed to identify as, I thought that was bad. We didn't want to identify as a gender. So I give Billie Eilish credit. She's a woman that says porn is a disgrace. And this is where it got really weird because she says, quote, I used to watch a lot of porn. Again, if you don't know who Billie Eilish is, she's a 19-year-old singer. Says, quote, I used to watch a lot of porn, to be honest. I started watching porn when I was like 11. I started watching porn when I was like 11. I think it really destroyed my brain. And I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. Now that's end quote. Now from the time that she was 11, parents, do you know what your kids are doing on the devices that you give them? I know I've asked this question over and over again, and it sounds like a broken record. But the fact that an 11 year old girl was watching porn in excess, and it's now at least good admitting this at the age of 19, maybe this should give parents a clue that kids are idiots. Kids will do whatever comes onto that little device. In giving them that window to the world, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a computer of some sort, is incredibly dangerous. Do not think, oh, my kid will never do that. They probably will. You have to know what your kids are doing 
when they are on the internet and parents that give kids unfettered access to a device at the age of 11, you're morons. No other way around it. You are a moron. If you're a parent and you have given your child access to the internet at age 11 without watching everything they're doing, you are a bad parent and you are a moron. If that makes you feel bad, turn off the show and never listen again, but it's the truth. The internet is toxic and it's your job to parent your children. And the fact that we have, I don't even care that it's Billie Eilish. I don't care that she's made millions of dollars and maybe she's a complete loon. I don't care. She's a 19-year-old that says she was watching way too much porn at age 11, which leads me to believe somebody gave her a device and went, ah, go ahead, do whatever you want. And that is incredibly bad. Parents everywhere, listen to this. If you have friends who have kids, you you might want to let them know what's going on. But I will jump off that soapbox for now. But I think it is something that's important. And if you have kids, you should be well aware of what's going on on those devices. But the Trump O'Reilly history tour has gone through the first couple of shows so far. There's four shows total where Bill O'Reilly is interviewing Donald Trump on stage in front of a live audience. And it was interesting to watch because I think everybody knew what was going to happen. And I'm pretty sure I would have guessed it was going to be Newsweek. That was the one that came out with, oh, this is bombing. It's not doing good at all. There's there's a ton of empty seats. And that was in regards to the first show, which sold 11,000 tickets and it grossed $2 million. Were there empty seats in the arena? Sure. I believe the arena held hockey, basketball size, so probably held 18,000 or so. But 11,000 people showed up and paid, which is still a fairly large crowd, grossing $2 million in one event. Pretty impressive for anybody that's not Billie Eilish or Taylor Swift or somebody of that ilk who can draw a big crowd for a big party. This was people paying money to come sit and listen to President Donald Trump answer questions from Bill O'Reilly with the goal of having a history of what happened during his presidency. This is an oral history, Trump telling his story. I'm sure it will be packaged in various ways moving forward. A lot of presidents, after they leave office, you know, they release an autobiography, something like that. Trump just released a coffee table photo book. But most presidents want their story to go down. And most of them, I'm guessing now, don't sit in front of a typewriter and type out their story, type out their autobiography. Most of the time, they'll work with somebody in this case, a Bill O'Reilly, who is a great journalist and has been involved in the business for decades. And they do an interview and you take the results of that and you can package it in a lot of different ways. But grossing $2 million in one show, not bad. Over the four shows, there are still two to go. They're guesstimating total attendance to be in the 35, 36,000 range, which really isn't all that bad. 
But there were a couple of things that were discussed in that first show that I thought were vital for people to know and understand. You know, I didn't go. I'm just getting this because I'm a Bill O'Reilly premium member and I follow what he does. But the reality of the January 6th riot at the Capitol, the this is involving now the second impeachment, of course, of Donald Trump. And we'll talk about the first in a second, because both were covered with things that had details that I thought this is something I'd never heard. And then these things were also looked up and verified. But on January 5th, the day before the January 6th riot, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, Donald Trump requested 10,000 National Guard troops to come out and police the rally the next day on January 6th. This was confirmed by the Secretary of Defense, Christopher Miller, who says, quote, on the afternoon of January 5th, I received a call from the president in connection with a rally by his supporters that day at Freedom Plaza. The president asked if I was watching the event on television. I replied I had seen the coverage of the event. He then commented that they were going to need 10,000 troops the following day. Now, that was not granted. That was not given because Trump does not control those troops. That request went to the Secretary of Defense. It was not an order. It was a request. Then that went through Nancy Pelosi. Whether it got to Pelosi, who knows? But that request was not granted. There were not 10,000 troops, boots on the ground on January 6th around the Capitol. But what this shows is just gauging from the size of the crowd that they were expecting on January 6th, the president was going, you know, we might want a little extra security because people are not happy about what's going on here. So the concept that he was encouraging an insurrection and an attack on the Capitol, he's the one the day previous that said, you may want to get 10,000 troops out here because from what we're seeing, this might get out of hand. And we all know the story. We all know what actually happened. But when you know that President Trump requested extra security for that day that was denied, you have to start asking yourself, why was that denied? Ms. Pelosi, why did you not authorize those troops to be on the ground in Washington, D.C., around the rally, around the Capitol? Why not have that kind of security when it seemed like maybe there was going to be a need in it? The crowd estimate for the rally itself seems like it may have even eclipsed a million people. So there were a lot of people involved. There were a lot of people at the rally that was fine and peaceful and nothing went wrong. And then when that broke up, people went down to the Capitol and they were mad. But it was a minority of the people that showed up on that day. But Donald Trump saw that there might be trouble, requested extra security to keep anything bad from happening, and that security 
once again was denied. You have to wonder what would have happened on January 6th if Nancy Pelosi would have received that request and followed through with that request. Maybe if somebody has the ability to ask her that question, that would be really good because I'd love to know. I don't have a number for Nancy, so I can't reach out and ask her, but I think that would be a very valid question to know. Did she get the request? And if so, why did she not follow through with the request? Now, let's go back to the first impeachment, which was completely fabricated, it seems. The threads have now been pulled on that. And we know that there was a legal firm being paid by the Clinton campaign behind the information that was being leaked. We'll put that in air quotes because uh, fabricated does not mean leaked. But the first impeachment was around, we all remember, I believe, the phone call. The phone call between Donald Trump and the Ukrainian president Zelensky. The call in which Donald Trump asked if they had any information about misdealings by Hunter Biden, and he asked if they had any information about Hunter Biden and any of these corrupt dealings, if they would share that information with the United States. And of course, what did we get for months? Well, maybe years by this point now of the coverage on the national media, the coverage on that was, ha ha, Trump was doing something illegal. He was asking a foreign government to help. And the reality of this is that the United States and Ukraine have a treaty. Yeah, they have a treaty that was signed in 1998 by William Jefferson Clinton. And the treaty is called, quote, the United States of America and Ukraine on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters. I'll say that one more time. The United States of America and Ukraine on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters. This is a quote from Bill Clinton on this particular treaty. This is the text of a letter that was put together at that time, and it says, quote, the treaty is one of a series of modern mutual legal assistance treaties being negotiated by the United States in order to counter criminal activities more effectively. The treaty should be an effective tool to assist in the prosecution of a wide variety of crimes, including drug trafficking offenses. The treaty is self-executing. It provides for a broad range of cooperation in criminal matters Mutual assistance available under the treaty includes taking of testimony or statements of persons, providing documents, records, and articles of evidence, serving documents, locating or identifying persons, transferring persons in custody for testimony or other purposes, executing requests for searches and seizures, assisting in proceedings related to restraint, confiscation, forfeiture of assets, restitution, and collection of fines, and any other form of assistance not prohibited by the laws of the requested state. 
I recommend that the Senate give early and favorable consideration to the treaty and give its advice and consent in ratification. That, again, the quote from President William Jefferson Clinton in regards to the treaty which was signed with Ukraine about sharing any information about criminal activities between the two countries. So Donald Trump asking for exactly that kind of information in the phone call was 100% legal and would fall under a treaty signed by President William Jefferson Clinton. Did anyone hear this mentioned on CNN or MSNBC or in the New York Times or the Washington Post? Because I didn't see it anywhere. All we heard was, oh, my God, it was illegal. President Trump, how dare he ask Ukraine for information about criminal activities? Yeah. How dare President Trump ask for information about illegal activities when we have a treaty specifically regarding such a thing? Yeah. Way to go, mainstream media. But this is why you can't believe anything they say. This is why you have to do your own research. This is why you have to look into everything from a variety of angles, from a variety of sources. Because right here, we found out in one night of Donald Trump being out on stage for a couple of hours that the first impeachment was a complete farce, which I think we already knew it was. But legally, once you know this treaty exists, you question how this got so far based upon a phone call. And then the second impeachment, when it comes to Trump, was trying to have the Capitol overrun and was planning it. Well, if he was, he was a really bad planner because he said we should really have 10,000 National Guards people outside the Capitol to make sure things don't get out of hand. So. It would seem to me that both of the impeachments are now clearly nothing but political moves from a corrupt Democrat party and a corrupt mainstream media. If I'm wrong somewhere with that, feel free to let me know. But that's what it appears to be. Now, on a little bit of a lighter note, there was a story that was seemingly everywhere, which that basically means to me, I saw it, my wife saw it, my mom saw it, and I had a completely different take on this story because I like to do the math. I like to look at the details. And while on the face, the headline was North Carolina man wins the lottery twice, I kind of think that the guy's an idiot. I mean, okay, he still won the lottery twice, but the reality is the guy whose name is Scotty Thomas, ended up buying two lottery tickets because, according to him, he forgot that he did it the first time and then bought another ticket. And I couldn't really understand. It wasn't very clear if this was online or in a store. It might have been online because it's easy to do now in a lot of these lotteries. Now you can just go and give them your credit card number, although I would think you could go in and then see if you had in order previously for that particular drawing, but maybe the guy's just not that bright. I don't know. 
either way, he wound up with two winning lottery tickets because he played the same number. And what the prize was in this particular lottery in North Carolina was $25,000 a year for life. So he won $25,000 a year for life. Now, as is usually the case with these types of lottery winnings, you can take that, the whatever for how long, or you can take a lump sum. Almost all lotteries offer the lump sum. In this case, the lump sum was $390,000. But he had the ability to now make this decision twice because he had two winning tickets. It doesn't matter that he's the same guy. So he could have taken $50,000 a year for life, or he could take the lump sum of 390,000 times two, so $780,000. And that is what he did. He took the lump sum on both. You could have split it. You could have said, hey, give me 25 a year for life and give me a lump sum of 390,000. He decided to do the whole thing as a lump sum. And I think that is an absolutely idiotic thing to do because he is, and this is something I had to go and look and it took about four or five steps to find out how old this guy was. To be fair, the original reporting in North Carolina had it. Everybody else glossed over it, didn't even put it in the story. It wasn't important to them how old he was. But if you're doing a prize that is $25,000, or in this case, you won twice, up to $50,000 a year for life, I think it's important to know that he's 49 years old. Because if he was 79 years old, I'd be like, lump sum me, baby. 49, that's a little bit of a harder choice to make. Because if you figure he's going to live at least another 30 years, he's leaving a lot of money on the table, taking the lump sum, which is what he did. I mean, it's better than he's like, I'm a 21-year-old who did it. But still, Fox Business, in the best quote in the article, And it just shows Fox News is really going downhill. But the best quote in the article on the Fox Business website reports he would have about $551,851 after taxes. What do you mean about? If somebody says he'd have about a half a million dollars, that's about. But saying he'll have about $551,851 after taxes, you're not understanding what the about word means or generally forget it that's not really important here to me it's the fact that the guy took about a half a million dollars after taxes up front when he could have been getting fifty thousand dollars a year and again there would have been taxes taken out on that fifty thousand dollars but i'm guessing they would have been less like anything else we know there are percentages involved when you make more money the government takes more So I thought that was a really bad idea. What do you think? I mean, if there's anybody out there with a higher math degree, 49-year-old, either taking a $25,000 a year, $50,000 a year, or $390,000 lump sum or twice, I would have split it, I would guess. If I needed the money up front, I would have taken the lump sum and then won as the $25,000 a year. But I think the best case would have still been to take that 50000 a year for life 
because that seems at in about 10, well, after taxes, probably after 15 years, it would be all profit above and beyond that. So we'll see. I just think this guy made a wrong choice. Now, if the guy gets hit by a bus tomorrow, then he did the right thing because nobody knows. I guess for life is COVID really getting inside of people's brains at this point as a 49 year old. Are you going? Ooh, yeah, I better take it now, man, because I don't know. I might not live another year or two or three. I mean, granted, we never know. I was briefly a billionaire yesterday, at least according to Coinbase, which I every now and then go into the app and see how the cryptos are doing. And lately it's been bad down, down, down Cardano. I think down to about a buck 22 today. It had been to like 220. That's when everybody should have bailed out, I suppose. But there is a coin that is called Bitcoin SV. And I believe the reason I had a little bit of this was because of a Bitcoin fork, because this is something that Coinbase doesn't even allow you to trade. But I had a dollar sixty two worth of the Bitcoin SV in the account when the day started yesterday. And at one point when I went to go check what the crypto was up to, my account was showing that it had six point two billion dollars into it because. Bitcoin SV, that dollar sixty-two man, it really went up. And there were a few places that had it at that, and of course, a few that rightfully did not. There was some kind of glitch that happened. Other people reported the same kind of thing. So for a brief moment, I had six point two billion in magical funny money that didn't really exist. I do want to congratulate my buddy Larry Blydner on five years of his solo podcast, That Larry Show. Larry is the guy that convinced me to do a solo podcast, which is why this show exists, and also gave me a format in what he's doing over there on That Larry Show to kind of follow here, which is there is no format. We are two guys who like to turn on the microphone and talk about whatever it is we want to talk about at that particular time, and Larry is one hell of a storyteller. And I really enjoy his show, hoping it goes way longer than five more years. But if you haven't already checked it out, you can do that at thatlarryshow.com. And I've been having a whole lot of fun over the past four months now that Larry and I have been meeting every Monday online and recording a show we call Planet Rage, which you can find at planetrage.show. That show, this show, a lot of the shows are value for value, which means they're out there. You get them for free. You decide what you get out of them. And then you turn that into a number and send that value back to your favorite podcasters. We don't have anybody on today's show, but that's okay. The Christmas season is around and I get it. Money is tight. Thanks to Uncle Joe. The priority is having presents for the people you love, food on the table. And I hope everybody has a great holiday season coming up. When you're able to do so, head over to randomthoughts.com slash donate. Click the donate button for a one-time or monthly donation. Use the QR codes or the wallet addresses for crypto or the P.O. Box address if you'd like to go the snail mail route. They are all very much appreciated. I will be back again next week for another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 